The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the feature stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing today, man? I'm feeling deja vu. I feel like I just did this yesterday. Yeah, usually uh, in in jobs, you're supposed to get, what, 24 hours turnaround, and uh, I gave you, I don't know, about less than 12. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I get overtime for this, then. That's that's right. Uh, my uh, my lawyers will be in contact with yours, and we'll, uh, we'll issue appreciate, that. Appreciate that. And joining us today... <laughs> I got some NFTs I need to buy, so... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> And joining us today is the one and only cutthroat Cody Hancock. Cody, what's up, brother? Hey, not much at all. Just enjoying a wonderful Tuesday, uh, almost afternoon with the boys. Nice. Nice. Uh, We appreciate it, man. Glad you're here. Now, the reason I wanted to have you on is because we kind of talked and, you know, there's been um, such a big year for you that you've had, um, since you know the pandemic's been going on and things have gotten reopened you've had a spectacular year let's start just on the idea of how did you keep yourself mentally focused and physically ready for when things were going to start opening back up uh i freaked out for two months and I didn't do anything other than panic, <laughs> honestly. Um, uh, during quarantine, I think that things, it took me a while to get back to, okay, well, I need to find a way to stay on the grind and make a new grind. Yeah. And thankfully, uh, due to the fact that I have my fiance, Casey, who was also kind of freaking out a little bit but she was hitting 600 hindu squats mm. like a day <laughs> and then i'm just kind of looking at her and i'm like well i'm i'm the pro wrestler here i should be the one that should probably be grinding myself out and we both were just able to kind of find a way to navigate despite the fact things were closed off to us and we Thankfully, we're able to find different areas for us to do workouts that a a friend of ours, Levi, gave us some at-home workouts that we couldn't do because we lived in a third-bedroom apartment, and we didn't want to do mountain climbers and piss off the neighbors. So thankfully, being able to go down to FSW and just use the space to hit those workouts, and eventually we signed up to a powerlifting gym that at the time it was known as filthy, but now it's known as sin city iron, which is also right near the wrestling school. And I learned how to edit video. And like I said, admittingly for the first little bit, um, there was a, a big fear of what's going to happen. And then 
I think everybody went through a little bout of uh, self-reflection. And if you want to call that depression, you know, you can if you need to. And it was for some people, but I was able to kind of prioritize what the next steps for me were going to be. I ended up getting in really good shape and I was able to maintain that. And then coming out of the pandemic and then through the private shows that Joe was doing uh, that were all very special birthday parties for special people. Yes, Um, thank God we had a lot of those people. We, you, everyone's got a birthday, right? Every every day, somebody, <laughs> somebody has a birthday. Yep, and even um, I mean, sure, everyone knows by now. Like, I actually contracted COVID, and so did my fiance. And thankfully for us, we had the mild end of symptoms, no long-lasting side effects outside of a little bit of a cough. So we were able to ride that wave and then we wound up to, you know, things really have picked up, I'd say within the last two months, Yeah. you know, despite everything still flowing, it's really been the last two months for me that have been kind of insane. Well, Joe, when you think about um, the, the birthday party era of uh, what you were going through in the pandemic, um, two two thoughts. One, were you impressed by Cody's transformation over that time period? And two, do you think that Cody was a valuable or even invaluable piece of your puzzle in being able to open the school back up and being able to deliver on these birthday party shows? Well, first off, the transformation of Cody started way, way long ago. You know, and he just took another level in the past year or so, you know, he, you know, he, he was always that chubby, lovable loser guy who transformed himself and then pretty much stayed, stayed that way for a while. You know, I remember the first time he actually, you know, was shirtless, you know, in, in a match, you know, and I pretty sure that was a big moment for him. But if you look at him now, it's hard to envision, you know, you kind of look back and you and you kind of chuckle a little like, holy cow, look, you know, with 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 the bad hair that he was that was being, you know, to go along with that trash bag suit. You know, whoever gave him that name, Crash Test Cody, was truly an idiot. I'll tell you that, (laughs) you know, looking back. So. He just took it to another level. It's like, not that he was never not serious, but, you know, he understood. And, and, and the longer you're in the business and the more that you learn, you know, you got to take every advantage of a situation. And I'm pretty sure Cody felt that being in the best shape of his life was another way that, you know, he could be looked at differently and be taken serious. And, you know, I know the whole thing with the setup with GCW, you know, he wanted to get that opportunity to be seen on an, on a national platform, you know, and, you know, he's worked hard. He's done a lot for FSW. So, you know, I went out of my way to make sure that he got the opportunity that he, that he truly wanted. For you, Cody, when you think about, um, since Joe brought up GCW 
and the preparation that went into that and the execution of the match. Just kind of walk us through what your mindset was in terms of wanting the match, getting you know yourself prepared, and then going through that match. What what was it like? Because we don't have a lot of uh, examples out there of people who can actually tell us what that whole process of getting ready for a match with Nick Gage is like. Um, so we've had conversations in the past before, and I, I don't want to say that I was enamored with deathmatch wrestling, but deathmatch wrestling was something that I knew that I could do. Sure. And especially, um, before I even started training, I really, I looked at those people and I'm like, Hey, I can, I can see myself doing the things that they do. And then I was a big Nick Mondo fan. I've gone on record to say before I looked at his story and I'm like, okay, well, here's somebody whose career didn't last longer than about two or three years. And I want to be able to wrestle as long as I possibly can. So I should probably put some, thought and effort into learning how to be a technical wrestler and there's been moments in my time with future stars of wrestling like the street fight in 2014 uh with myself and big duke against the whirlwind gentleman as well as the uh, steel cage with weapons match in 2016 with funny bone and even a match that uh a lot of people probably didn't get the opportunity to see, but we did uh, almost like a suburban fight style uh, bar fight um, at the bunkhouse. And that was with Adriel Noctis and Shaggy McLovin. And I, I'm capable of doing these things. Um, and I know that I'm capable of doing them to the furthest extent that they need to go to. And I don't want to do them all the time because I feel like it's a, it's just one note that you can play. And I believe in being a Swiss army knife. I want to be able to have matches with every type of style that is around in order to show that even though I may not be a high flyer, I can have a match with a high flyer. Even though I may not be the biggest and strongest dude, I can have a match with people that are bigger and stronger than me. Um, Even though I might not go out and bleed every night, when I do, I make sure that it matters. And I knew, uh, I watched Nick Gage um, back in the tape trading days. I was a fan of his. And also I really believed in... um, his story and he's somebody that did something really bad and then uh came out of it better than he has ever been before it's inspirational and someone like aj gray who is literally taking off uh into a different planet when it comes to the wave of momentum that he is having on the independent wrestling scene Originally, when I approached Joe, I did not put AJ Gray into the equation, but I said, I, I want Nick Gage. I can do this match, and there's probably nobody else on the roster other than Funny Bone that would be willing to go to the extent that I would be willing to go to. 
And then it was, I believe, uh, something that just ended up happening with the tag match. And, you know, it made sense uh, for me and Bone to be paired together for that one night out on a versus show. Um, And also, uh, I wouldn't ask anyone else to do what I would do uh, when it comes to a match like that. So Jay was still able to represent the other half of Death Proof on that card as well in Team FSW versus Team GCW. And it was just something that before going into the match, I just knew what was necessary to do. And I went and I did it. And then it came out not only as a good death match, but it actually came out as a really special match in general despite the fact that I really didn't do too much other than get carved up, yeah. like realistically. I, I And I think the lesson that I want to highlight in that is, is that sometimes it's not about what you're doing in the match. It's what's happening to you as the match is going on. And it was, a, I mean, the whole show uh, stood out. And GCW does versus shows with other companies pretty frequently. I I can honestly say from front to back, uh, Remy versus Koger, um, Ali Catch versus Sandra Moon, the two team match, the the team match, and then everything that happened on that card. That that card is an amazing card from top to bottom, and our company stood up and showed out. Um, Joe, when you look at someone like Cody, who you've you know seen his whole career, you you just talked about his development physically and uh, persona wise. So when you're making this match, and you've said before that you've um, in that relationship with Brett, you were able to um, you know basically put together the uh, FSW GCW card. Was there any part of you that was very hesitant of allowing Cody to put himself through this? Um, And do you think that anyone else other than Funny Bone would have been able to step up and do this kind of match um, to the extent that Cody was able to, to do it? You know, nobody, you know, the, Initially, you know, the thought was, hey, you know, we've already we already had done Funny Bone and Nick Gage uh, a couple years back over at Samstown. Obviously, a much milder version. <coughs> we were in Samstown. There's only so much you can do. Before Cody approached me about the match with Nick Gage, you know, one of the thoughts was, hey, uh, Funny Bone and and Nick Gage that. You know, that, that kind of wrote itself. Cody was in a tag team with Jacob Austin Young. They were the tag champions. I wasn't really looking to put Cody in as a single, you know, against Nick. But when, you know, Cody was very, very, you know, persistent and this is what he wanted, you know, you got to remember, Remy Marcel, Funny Bone, and Cody are th- probably the only three guys that have been consistent with us who worked the very first show in FSW in the SWAT meet. You know, a guy like Gallo, we don't use him that much. Kenny King, you know, but 
they're mainstays. And if you look at these guys who've been around, you know, it, it's amazing how they've reinvented themselves, all of them. And, you know, it's kind of hard to do, you know, being in that one town, they, they, their name is, you know, in Las Vegas, you know, three, you know, Vegas legends. You know, you look at Remy from the fro and what he's done now, he's, he's really made himself that new character that I, you know, we had a new student who'd come to some of the shows and all of a sudden he saw a poster with Remy with the fro and he was like, you know, he didn't see Remy with the fro. Right. And he was like, wow, I can't believe that's Remy. And Funny Bone with the face paint and the entrance and the style still similar, but he reinvented himself, you know, and, and the same thing with Cody, you know, from the crash test, as we said, lovable loser, to then, you know, his match with Funny Bone, you know, inside the steel cage, as crazy as that was, nothing compared to this one when it came to cody and nick gage uh nick was working the night before he had a kind of busy schedule you know so brett you know reiterated to me that you know nick definitely wants to work but he's preferring to work in a tag team or a six-man tag so that quickly got to well cody and funny bone they've had some wars they're two of the guys that people believe could step up in that event. And with AJ Gray kind of working with Nick Gage, it became easy. And, you know, there was no thought of what the main event was. That was going to be the main event. Then the problem became about what type of materials, you know, were going to be used. You know, we're inside the FSW arena where our fans are less than 10 feet away from the ring. So we were not comfortable with using light tubes inside the ring. And, you know, Cody came up with a couple ideas. It worked good. And the visual was fantastic. You know, it, it reminded me of the old uh, Ken Shamrock Owen Hart with the, except instead of cars being around the ring, there wasn't even the ring. It was in an alleyway with all the fans you know, going nuts. Yeah. You know, the atmosphere was like nothing else ever, you know, in the FSW arena. So, you know, Cody, when you look at taking that, like you said, you know, getting carved up, that was what you basically did throughout the match. But you also said a very interesting thing, and that is, um, you know, more so being in that moment, right? Do you think that's something that, some of the the younger wrestlers can take away is that instead of thinking about you know this move this set what the sequence is more so just being in that moment and reacting to the reality of what you're putting yourself through the reality of what's going on because that's an easy way to infuse emotion into making it look as painful as it is because Quite honestly, it's damn painful. Yeah. And I think that, yes, there is definitely something to be said there. And their um, raw Reese had actually um, approached me a couple days ago. And he's somebody who is, I think he's had two matches at this point. And he asked me, he was like, you know, I really 
I really want to know how to look strong. And I had to tell him that you need to change your mindset a little bit because looking strong can mean a lot of different things. The most pivotal moment of that match for myself, and it wasn't called in the back. It wasn't something that was even spoken about, but it was when they finally used the two light tubes to cut me open. And that's when I really opened up and they moved away from me and then I could feel all the blood rushing down my face and I had to like move my head wildly to make sure that none of it got in my eyes and then I remember looking right across at Nick Gage and I'm like I'm gonna start hitting these people now and then I went over to Gage and I went over to AJ and I I, I blew a comeback and it wasn't called um, it it didn't need to be, um, and it made me look strong. And Nick Gage isn't somebody who normally, after matches, gets on a microphone, yeah, uh, and then ends up giving the person that he wrestled the rub, presse, and that was earned. And I looked strong by not looking strong. I looked strong by taking what was being thrown at me. And then eventually I had enough and I wasn't going to let anything else happen to me until I got piled, drived off the top rope through a table and then was assaulted by AJ Gray. (laughs) But so, you know, this, this, this concept that people have and this idea of, oh, well, if I take this, I'm not going to look strong or I'm not going to sell as much as I should because if I sell more, it's going to make me look weak. Um, That's not what this is about. And and there are people that do um, get in people's ear and they'll tell them, hey, don't do this, hey, don't do that. And that advice works for certain people. It's never worked for me. And I also, uh, wrestling does hurt. So I'm not going to stonewall anybody. Yeah. Um, But I'll get so intense that someone will hit me and I'll absorb it and I'll hit them back. You know, so it works for me. And I think it could work for other people. Um, You just have to treat wrestling like it's real for once. And if you look like you're treating it seriously, other people are going to treat you seriously. Yeah, that's that's a very good way to put it. Um, Joe, when you this uh, you know this beginning of the year, you had tag team champions in Unguided, and Damian Drake unfortunately gets injured, and the belts are vacated. What was your thought process behind the what do we do now and how is it that Death Proof worked its way into that picture of what you wanted to see happen with the tag titles? Well, the thing was, I told Damian Drake, can't you get the surgery like three days later? (laughs) It was like, really? You're getting the surgery on Thursday can't you just move it till Monday it was like 
really? You know, because that was the whole plan anyway. You know, it was, it was death proof versus the unguided. Uh, you know, for the tag titles, we had the number one contenders match, which was the two out of three with the RMB. But the setup was there with them being injured to get to the point where we are now where death proof wrestles the unguided at the fsw arena and you know we're looking at that as one of the biggest you know arena shows of the year not counting the gcw show so you know that's going to be a huge main event you know damian drake is back matt vandegriff he has been killing it you know since it's been four months so not only has he had some of the best matches in FSW this year, bar none, you know, he's had about three or four matches that, you know, when, when we make a top five matches, he's got, you know, the one with Eli Everfly and Jay Vidal, yeah. you know, and a couple others in there. And Damian Drake is no stranger to having great matches. So, you know, as much as, you know, we brag about the tag division and stuff. We've really been scraping by with a lot of the younger talent being put in bigger positions, you know, as we talked with, uh, you know, Heart and Soulless. You know, they kind of got put together because Toko Uso, because of the popularity Juicy has, you know, I think they're a monster tag team, but they haven't been able to tag a lot because the scheduling hasn't been there. Yeah. The unguided, you know, have been injured with Damian Drake. The RMB after, you know, losing to to Death Proof, you know, our top four teams, we've really only had one available. And now, you know, I'm really looking forward to the to the last half of the year, you know, after unguided and death proof. I'm pretty sure Toko Uso is, you know, knocking on the door too. So, you know, whoever wins that match, uh, you know, between the unguided and death proof, well, they still got each other to look out after. And then you got Toko Uso, you know, those are two monsters. Those guys have been battling, you know, the heavyweight champion and the former champion, Hammerstone and Graves, toe to toe. Yeah. So, you know, that that's what when I talk about trying to get to that next level, trying to be considered, you know, as good or better than GCW. You know, it's great having those young kids and they do really well and and using them for future shock and high octane. But when we're talking about mecha shows and we're talking about casino shows, you know, those are the top four tag teams, regardless of what other people want to believe. You know, you got R&B, you know, hovering in the in, in the weeds. You know, the winner of this match coming up, you know, that they're entrenched back, you know, that is, who's the tag team champions? You know, Death Proof aren't the true champions until they beat the Unguided. You know, the Unguided were on a roll. And Death Proof has taken everybody who's been in, you know, their sights and they've taken them out. So it's like, but... They got plenty more, you know, that they need to prove. Sure. So, you know, between the no limits division and, you know, the, the tag team division, man, there's a lot of guys who this past year, the Jay Vidal's, the Gregory Sharp's transformation, 
you know, Matt Vandergriff, Adrian Quest, Eli Everfly, you know, anybody could go in a match and be the No Limits champion, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm excited, you know, let, let's see, you know, how the unguided work together now that Matt's been doing a lot of the single stuff, you know, and, you know, how healthy is Damian Drake? And, you know, Death Proof's never going to, you know, they had a hard-fought match uh, when they were fighting for the number one contenders match. And, and if you look back, there was a couple things the Unguided did to, to, to basically uh, steal the victory. So, you know, these are, you know, equal teams, 50-50, 10 times, five will win one time, five will win the other. So it's going to be really interesting to see how everything plays out. And that is going to be October 9th. It's a Saturday, uh, 7 p.m. bell time. Uh, get your tickets now. And if you subscribe to the FSW Network, you'll be able to see High Octane. And again, it's only six ninety nine a month for the network. Now, Cody... That alone, that one match is worth the price of admission. Oh, seriously, right? Seven bucks for... Uh, if, you're, if you're not in Vegas, what, you know... <laughs> That's a that's amazing for what you're going to see, and in terms of working a match, Cody, when you have two teams that are going to be as popular as Death Proof and the Unguided, how important is for you guys to make sure that the points you want to get across in the match are there because? That fan interaction is going to be crazy to see because I can't tell you. It's like a 50-50 toss-up, man. Right. And, you know, Joe Joe said it from his perspective that Death Proof hasn't been able to prove themselves yet as rightful champions because of the belts being relinquished. Uh, I feel very differently about that, and I've uh, always that's not, been... That's not what I said. <laughs> I, I'm just saying you guys need to beat the unguided. <laughs> Correct. And and but once again, though, um, if you go and, you know, Joe, I'm going to give you a, a request real quick. Maybe that match that never saw the light of day between the unguided actually surfaces before October 9th. So fans can get a little bit of a taste of what they could possibly I will be do seeing. That. I, I will make yeah. sure it's done. Yes, uh, because that match uh, never saw the light of day, unfortunately. But, and I understand why, because there was a plan in yeah. place. But uh, for myself, um, if you remove the unguided from the equation, not only have we proved ourselves as not only a tag team, but I appreciate everyone singing my praises. But, you know, Jay is also in the best shape of his life. Yeah. Jacob Austin Young has uh, taken a lot of help from a lot of people and has applied it. And he's also having the best matches of his career as it stands right now. Yeah. And also on top of the singles work that he gets outside of Vegas, yeah. you know, he recently just got done wrestling TJP and I haven't had the opportunity to watch the match yet, but I'm more than willing to bet money that it was good enough on its own, if not amazing. And not only that, but I, I'm only in competition with myself and the competition is kind of extreme because if you think about it on paper, 
I'm a multi-team champion. I am a two-time Nomlitz champion. I'm now a two-time tag team champion. I've also had two match of the years for future stars of wrestling. So I am concerned with nothing more than showing up and showing out. And things might be a little bit different this time because I can tell you this much right now. I'm not going to let myself get hit in the head with a baseball bat again. <laughs> I have, I, and, and, he, and he's not going to stop and yell at a fan who was booing him. I might. <laughs> I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I might. Because there was an extreme level of frustration. Here's the frustration. When you do things the right way and then people give you grief for it, yeah. right? Yep. You know, that's that's kind of what separates you from the rest of the world because there's right and there's right. We went around doing it the right way, whereas the unguided necessarily wasn't doing it the right way. But now the roles may be reversed because Damian Drake now understands what mortality is. And you end up figuring out a lot of stuff quickly when you get injured to that degree. I had a very similar injury and opted not to go underneath the knife. And I was out for two years. Damian Drake went underneath the knife and he was right back. And it's very, very nice to know that there's the love, support, and admiration for the unguided and it's deserved. Um, I'm not going to go on here and trash talk or anything like that, but I can tell you this much right now. I've spent a lot of my life helping other people. I've spent a lot of my life teaching people how to run in a straight line. And now I'm finally, after 14 years climbing, I can't spend any more time helping others as opposed to helping myself. I'm a loyalist, but my order of uh, priority, I'm loyal to me first now, I'm loyal to Jacob Austin Young, and then my loyalty to everybody else comes second, third, fourth, and fifth. So I have no plans on letting that go. Jay has no plans of letting that go. It sits above my head anytime I'm talking to anybody and I am willing to fight and I'm willing to do whatever it takes in order to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are the tag team champions. Yeah. You know, actually, Cody's true. I could see, when he's running his class, he wears it as a crown while he's talking. To <laughs> <laughs> but now, listen, it stays at home because I like to keep it safe. Ice Williams wears it everywhere he goes. <laughs> we, well, he, he gets a 20% discount over at uh, Denny's. So. We're at? At Denny's for wearing his uh, belt. So. Oh, man, I'll go to Denny's wearing so the belt today if I can get a discount. Just in case, you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Joe, you know, in, in Cody's talking about his progression, and one of the things he just said – that I thought was was great was I've spent so much time showing people how to run in a straight line, which Cody has been doing as a trainer. Um, you know, when you run those ropes, you better know how to run ropes. And that's the most basic thing. What was the decision like for you going back to start allowing Cody to be an instructor? And 
how impactful was that decision overall based on the growth of what you're seeing for guys who are taking his you know instructions to heart and are really starting to progress well there's certain people you know jack manley remy marcel you know gregory sharp you know they liked to give back to to the younger generation they wanted to see people succeed you know being a trainer isn't for everybody you know it's kind of like just because you're the best wrestler doesn't mean you're going to be the best trainer. You know, you, you, you need to be understanding. You need to have to deal with a lot of different, just like me as the owner, you know, you have so many different personalities. You need to be able to, to see what works with one person that may not work with another person. It, it's the way, you know, you talk to somebody, you know, some people need the tough love. Some people need to be coddled because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, that the, the emo crap, uh, you know, the new millennium yeah. that anytime you say something, you know, they get very hurtful and they take things personally. Yeah. So, you know, the best guys, because we've had other ones who've kind of failed miserably, who kind of stepped into the process that wanted to do it. And, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to be a trainer and try to do that. And, you know, as good as our trainers are, you know, there's a lot of people who come to Cody's class. And I've been there numerous times, and I hear Cody yelling and doing like that. Sometimes it makes me think that people wouldn't show up because they don't like to be yelled at and stuff. But obviously Cody's doing something right because despite – his way of training and making people work extremely hard. You know, there's a lot of people that come to his class, whether it's the beginners, the intermediates or the advanced guys. Yeah. Uh, Cody, for you, when you look at, um, I guess, let's say raw talent, right? Um, guy steps into the ring. You can see he has it there, but you know, it's going to take a little bit of seasoning, to get him to the point where he needs to be to start having you know first matches second matches what is it that you want to convey to those guys who you can see that there's something there but you don't want to you know have them get too over uh egotistical about you know themselves but you also don't want to put them too far in the, um, you know, the the feeling bad house, the dog house, the, you know, like Joe was saying, because of your style, that's a nice, fine, delicate ba- balance. How do you, you know, how do you implement your style into these kids so they can reach that potential? Um. So, you know, there, it's always easy to hear me yell, but the thing that people don't hear is when I wrap my arm around the person that I just got done yelling at and I tell them I've got you. Yeah. Not only do I have you, but I'm going to be honest with you. And even in times when it feels like I am working against you, I'm actually working with you because I believe 
that you can do this, but talent, um, I'm not a fan of people that are talented. And the reason that I'm not a fan of people that are talented is because they go through life and it's very easy for them. It's very similar to how I feel about people with potential. Um, I love people with potential as long as they put work and effort behind their potential in order to get them to step forward. But for people that just idle and coast on their talent and their potential, and they actually don't put work in, uh, pressure makes diamonds. And if you don't put some type of pressure on yourself to become better than you are, you will stay at the exact same place that you are and you will watch others pass you. And oftentimes I've found that that is what gets people to turn around and walk out the door and never come back. Uh, Joe's seen many people that were very talented. Joe's seen many people that had a lot of potential, but there's people that I've seen that have no talent and no potential, but they have a want. And I've been able to take those people that have the want and I've been able to kind of train them the way that I had to train myself. Sure. Um, and those are the people that it's really, really flattering to me because the people that listen to the things that I say, they all do things that I do. Right. Um, I think I feel really bad about everyone that wrestles anyone that I've had a hand in training because they're going to get hit with an elbow. Like, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt. You look at the body of work of uh, specifically Sandra Moon and Lazarus. Um, I, there was a period of time when my class was VIP who recently joined the military and we're proud of him. Uh, Cass, Laz, and then Jody the Wrestler. And the one thing that all four of those people have in common is that they hit people. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like being hit, but suck it up, Buttercup. Mama didn't raise no bitch. And, you know, my, my body of work extends into their body of work. And even Lazarus went through a lot of um, drastic weight losses, you know, like he's in really good shape now and now he's ready to bulk up and I help him with that when I can help him with that. And my help extends past the school. I'll kidnap people and like, Hey, you're coming to the gym with me. Uh, Nick Xander has lived a day in my life a couple times. I'm like, yo, I'm, you're staying with me and you're waking up when I wake up, you're going to eat what I eat. You're going to do what I do in the gym. And then he takes that and then he applies that. He went from, um, he put on 20 pounds of solid muscle within his first six months of training because he listened to the things that I told him to do. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that. Um, You know, speaking of uh, Sandra Moon, Cody, uh, you know, we, we talked about GCW, but that next day, Sandra had the match against Maserati where it was a doors, ladders, and chairs match, and Sandra won the championship, which was accumulation of everything that she's gone through from being a kid all the way to now being the women's champion. And one of the things that I think that people probably don't didn't realize is that you were 
there watching with your head taped up, man, you know, wrapped around. And it was almost like seeing you more proud of what was going on with that match and what was put together and what she's accomplished than you had even for yourself the night before. And I think that's very uh, telling in terms of how much you care about the students. Um, do you feel that that's kind of your, you, when your heartstrings are going with the students, it's it's almost more enjoyable to watch them accomplish just through those eyes to see them hitting points that you could only imagine they were thinking of hitting. Uh, it's, uh, it's emotional to me in a way because I, I had a, a very big hand in kind of giving Sandra the, the let know of what you're getting into. Right. And it's like, you know, you're, you're getting into a situation like this and this is what is going to be expected of you. And this is how I recommend you go about getting, uh, meeting that expectation of the people and to see her not only meet that expectation, and I'm even going to put Maserati into that lump as well. Yeah. Uh, Maserati is not someone that's very liked by fans, but I can tell you this much right now. She went to task in that match as well, and they both uh, stood stood up and showed out. And I've had a big hand in training Maserati as well, as well as everyone else at Future Stars of Wrestling has made Maserati into what she is. Yeah. You know, she is, uh, I don't want to say a mainstay in Ring of Honor, but she's on the um, speed dial. And she's done plenty of shots for them. She's very successful in OVW. And she is a product, and Sandra is a product of Future Stars of Wrestling, which is the whole point of the company, right? Is Future Stars of Wrestling. And it, it was something for me just to know them both personally on a level that most people might not know them and to see them succeed. And even in Maserati's defeat, she still succeeded. Um, And to see Sandra really get um, finally win the big one, it it was like watching a kid graduate, you know, very, very proud moment for me. Joe, when you think of uh, people who have gone through the training with Cody, is there anyone who sticks out to you as someone that when you watch their in-ring work, you can see um, Cody's influence uh, and his style of wrestling uh, when you actually get a chance to to watch the matches uh, you know, of, of the students? I think by far Lazarus is the one that always comes to mind. You know, it, it, it's like Cody Jr. Yes. In there, the the intensity and, you know, because I know, I know Laz since he was like 15 years old, you know, and he was this very, very quiet kid, kind of like VIP, you know, very quiet. But as a wrestler, he has taken a lot of the, uh, the attributes – that Cody has and kind of they've been instilled in him. And, you know, if I'm going to name one person, Laz is by far the one guy when I see him, I see the Cody influence on him. And Cody, when you 
look at a guy like Laz, and you kind of mentioned, you know, that that idea of, um, you know, liking to work with guys who are the underdogs. Um, do you feel that in your personal experiences and being able to share those personal experiences? That you're basically giving a roadmap and saying, listen, here's the keys to the car, follow this roadmap, and you'll reach, you know, where I am now. Or is it kind of a, a leap of faith in hoping that, you know, they're picking up on what you're saying, and maybe if they don't use it now, three years down the line, all of a sudden it will go, you know, flash through their head and go, oh my god. Cody told me this three years ago, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I used to, I, I give everyone the same help, uh, regardless of how I feel about them personally, because I am very, despite what people may think I am able to develop a personal opinion of somebody and have a different professional opinion of them. Right. Like I, I actually am able to do that, despite the fact I've been told otherwise by many others, not including someone that's involved in this podcast right now. But <laughs> I, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm definitely able to to draw that line and I offer help to everybody. And I used to be really upset when I would give somebody direct advice, because when I was coming up, there was still people that would speak to me in riddles. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it was like, it was always trying to chase somebody on top of the mountain to get advice. And then when you get to the top of the mountain, it's like, sorry, I can't find it here. You're going to have to go to this other mountain. Yes. By the way, that mountain's a lot higher than this one. And you're going to have a really hard time getting there. Have fun. Yep. You know, I give, I give people exactly what they need to know. Um, and I have real conversations with them. If they need to work on their bodies, I'm like, Hey, you know, you need to work on this. And by the way, don't take it as someone that's in shape. Go back and look at pictures of me when I wasn't, right? And I I used to get really upset when people wouldn't listen to me. But now I don't get upset anymore because I'm like, okay, well, the ones that listen to me are going to end up being able to travel pretty far. And then I put more of my effort into applauding them and continuing to help them as opposed to someone that, I've told, hey, this is how you do it. And then they don't listen to me. I will let them reapproach me, like you said. And there has been situations where I've given somebody advice three years prior. And then eventually they're like, hey, you know what? You were actually right about that. And then I'm able to open up that door. I'm like, okay, well, now that you're listening to me, this is what you need to do now. And it's made life a lot easier for me. And I, Jake Black on commentary says this all the time. He says, Cody takes everything personally. And I do because I care about this more than anything in the world. I, I love professional wrestling and anybody who is doing professional wrestling, regardless of if we agree or disagree, I have to give them respect because they love professional wrestling enough to be willingly dropped on their heads for the sake of the love of the game as it were so i i try to take a step back now for people but i always will open those conversations up with everybody regardless of who they are right um joe 
when you look at uh, Cody's history with you, is there a moment that sticks out where Cody approached you with an idea or, you know, regarding himself or, or you know, uh, an angle or an idea of something to do with one of the up-and-comers that he's worked with that sticks out to you as something that was absolutely great and something that sticks out to you as, nah, that didn't work or, you know, I'm going to pass on that idea, Cody. Well, the one thing I'll always remember is when Cody lost a lot of weight, he came up to me with this crazy angle. And I'm like, bro, there is no way you can get away with doing that angle. And, you know, I had to tell Cody we just couldn't do that. Yeah. Remember the cancer that, Cody? angle, right? Yeah. Remember the that cancer, one? The, the cancer angle was my idea. Totally. Yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was shocked. That you know, it's. And then after I thought of it, I was like, hey, that's a good idea. Yeah, man. And then you try to sell it to me. And then at that point, I didn't want to do it, right? Yeah, of course. You know, that's how we remember things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have selective memory. I am. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's how I remember it. <laughs> oh, man. And it's funny. Now, what was, what was the other part of the question? <laughs> was was there a, a particular thing that was definitely like a winner in, in your book that, you know, you might have not thought of that Cody kind of came up with either for himself or somebody else? Offhand, I can't think of it, but a lot of times guys like Cody and Remy – you know, they got my ear when it comes to doing stuff in the shows. And, you know, I don't have respect for people who come in and they always seem to have a great idea for themselves. You know, it's like, hey, I got this great idea that I'm going to steamroll through 10 guys and I'm going to become the heavyweight champion uh, in a four week process. How, how does that sound? And, you know, guys like, Cody and guys like Remy are always looking to help the younger guys in situations and story ideas. And, you know, they're, they're very hands-on, you know, as great as the trainers are, you know, Remy and, and Cody, they're in the trenches, you know, sin sin does a great job, but sin's you know, he, he's still working. He's on the road. He doesn't make a lot of shows. Kenny's very, you know, in and out. He's got his Ring of Honor commitment. So he, he's a special attraction when, when it comes to wrestling. So even when we were having Davari more frequently or, or even Debo, you know, those guys weren't around all the time. So they didn't see, you know, the day-to-day -day growth of a particular young guy. So... When I need to ask and find out if somebody's ready, you know, I'm going to ask Remy. I'm going to ask Cody. At this point, I'll probably ask Sharp. You know, Damian Drake's around a lot, you know, working with people. And, you know, they can give me the heads up, you know, on a guy like Raw Reese, who a lot of people thought was close, maybe not ready. So I kind of threw him into the fire and he got to work with Sin Bodhi which I felt was, you know, the best way to interject them into, you know, being a part of something. And, you know, then I had the idea with, you know, Strella and the shade going back and forth to incorporate him into that. And they had a match at Future Shock 
And overall, he did very, very well. It's like, so now he's another guy, you know, when we do Future Shock on November 12th, that, you know, it's a specific, I need to get Raw Reese on that show. And we have a lot of those guys like that, you know, that are on the cusp, the Bodies and the Davions, who are very, very young, but they're deserving of opportunities. Dana Lynn, uh, Alice Blair, you know, we have a lot of young talent that, no, they're not ready in most cases to work the major casino type shows that we do, but the way Jacob Austin Young got to be better and better was because when he was very young, he got to be at a pre-show at the uh, at the Silverton. You know, he got to be on the, you know, showcase as we called it back in the day. It's like, if you never get an opportunity, how do you prove that you're ready to go? And that's the one thing we've been very strong with at FSW is making sure the younger guys, when they've worked hard enough to get it, like a Chris Bay, who three months in, hey, we think we got a spot for you. You're going to get murdered by Funny Bone today. And he took it like a champ. And, you know, six months later, he was, you know, winning the tag team championships. So without having the opportunity to get experience, because these guys are not going to get booked first over at Arizona Wrestling or Phoenix Championship Wrestling or over in SoCal, they're going to they're going to need to get their first opportunities are always going to come through us. Right. And we just need to make sure that they're ready because we have paying customers that we don't want to, you know, I'm a wrestling fan. I don't want to be embarrassed by putting on a match that is the drizzling shits. Yeah. And Cody, going along that thought process, um, do you do you think that some of the students, when they come in, they're going through class, that's one thing. But putting them in front of an audience, that's the sink or swim moment where you can evaluate where they are. Is that something that is, you know, for us at UPW, we essentially had what would be almost like a family and friends type of showcase, you know, it wasn't like you were charging for people to come in, but it gave you that simulation of a crowd. How important is that in seeing how they react and how they adapt and how they learn from that process? Um, I, I think that it's important, but I think that uh, something that people need to take in consideration is that there is um, a way to be certain that somebody is ready to go out and perform in front of a crowd before they go out and perform in front of a crowd. And honestly, uh, one thing, and let me sing Remy's praises real quick, is that Remy runs a lot of matches in his trainings. And I very rarely run matches in my trainings, but if I see somebody progressing really well, I will give Joe a heads up and like, Hey, I'm going to take him for a match and we're going to call the majority of it in the ring as it's going. And then I'm going to be able to give you a stamp of approval or a, we need a little bit more polish. And I feel like when you learn how to practice, like you would play. And I mean, I'm, I'm throwing live rounds whenever I'm doing a training match. 
and you can still get a really strong reaction from a room full of 14 other students and you know that if they are reacting as if they were a crowd then you have the thumbs up and being hey i can put this person in front of a crowd and you won't know what's really going to happen until they go in front of a crowd but i do firmly believe that there is um it's not so much a check log of hey this is good this is good this is good it's a matter of if you can see something go wrong in training in a match but they're able to correct it to me sometimes that's better than yeah. doing well if you mess something up and then you're able to fix it on the fly as it's happening and it doesn't read as a mess up then you got two glowing thumbs up and I, I don't have any fear or concern when you get into a ring, if something goes wrong, now I know that you have the ability to course correct and hindsight being 2020 and every situation in life can be frustrating for people if they don't open themselves up to learning from the experience that failure can give. And I, to this day, I still have really good matches pretty consistently, but there's been a few matches that haven't been good. And I don't beat myself up. I'm like, okay, well, why did this go wrong? Right. And these, a lot of the students that are at Future Stars of Wrestling now are really getting show ready quickly because people like Nick Xander and Brett Threat and Raw Reese are there frequently. Like they're there consistently. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't ready that fast, but these people basically live at the wrestling school and it is harder for some people. Remy mentioned this not long ago with Joe is that everyone's position in life is different. Some people have families and they have jobs and they have bills. So it's difficult for a grown adult that's well into their 20s or 30s to find the time to be at the school as often as they should be, but they should always be doing their best effort. Yeah. That's a very good, very good point. Um, Joe, when you think about Cody and the leadership he brings to the locker room and essentially to the company as well, his pride in the city, um, the, you know, the last year and a half or, or two years have been, you know, a movement of different things in wrestling and has brought out, uh, you know, some bad eggs that had to be uh, taken care of and, and removed from the situation. Um, how important was it to have someone like Cody being uh, at the forefront of looking out for the reputation of FSW and the city of Las Vegas? Well, what you got to understand is when issues were going on, a lot of the people wouldn't go to me about it. You know, the thing is, Cody has gotten enough trust from the students that when there may have been an issue, they would talk to him, who in turn would talk to me. You know, when I go in there, you know, you know, a couple of them, you know, would help in training and when you know there wasn't a main trainer there they might step in a little bit and a lot of the students would be 
you know, afraid to come to me and say, hey, you know, this guy's being a douchebag. But in conversations, I become aware of it because Cody was the one who, you know, may have heard about it. Because when those issues happened, Remy really wasn't around that much. Uh, you know, we didn't have a set day, you know, for Remy. So Cody was always the guy who's looked at differently because he wrestles on all the shows with these guys. Right. So guys, guys like Kenny and guys like D'Lo and, and guys like Sin, they're kind of looked at a little differently. They're, you know, so they don't have that relationship to where I'm pretty sure a lot of people, you know, they're going to message Cody. Hey, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Something about the meal prep, something about this. Hey, I was in training the other day. And, you know, the trainer was out of hand. He did this, this, and this, you know. And then it comes to my attention, and then we can kind of try to fix the problem. You know, it's impossible to fix a problem that you don't know about. You know, we had gotten some heat over it, like, oh, you didn't know? Oh, you didn't know? It's like, yeah, because I was, I was okay with it because it was such a benefit to me that I want people – to not want to come to my school and I want people to not want to be a part of FSW, have bad things to say and not pay me dues to keep the business running. Yeah. Like why, why would I want that? You know, there's issues where people, you know, sometimes it was minor. Sometimes you got to take them into the office. There's nothing I enjoy more than seeing Cody on Thursday and him waiting in the office. You know, it's a moment that I live for. <laughs> Cody, what are your thoughts on that, uh, you know, that role that you play that is, you know, uh, essentially the heartbeat of what is going on, not only in FSW. Oh, oh but... don't be slandering Nick Xander like that. <laughs> if, if, if anything, I think Nick Xander actually uh, is heavily inspired by me. So I think that the name The Heartbeat actually comes from, uh, from the Broken Heart gimmick. So I'll... I think it's a close connection. Um, the one thing that I'm going to say is that, um, and I don't really want to get too deep into it because uh, it's, it's personal sure. um, with a lot of situations, but I can, I can tell people this. I, I had a very tumultuous upbringing. Um, I was raised in a household um, that would be considered a broken home. Um I have gone through some personal things in my life that have put me in a situation to where I felt like I had no voice. And then in professional wrestling, um, coming up younger, uh, the hierarchy eats itself. And we're in a situation now to where you're told that one of the golden rules in professional wrestling is closed mouth, open ears. And there's people that will walk on eggshells that they will place themselves around people instead of confronting the situation. And speaking for myself, I was put in a lot of situations that I had to um, discover that you have a voice and you are able to tell people, hey, I don't know if you think because your status is higher than mine, you think it's okay to treat me like this, but coming from person to person, removing myself from being a student or a green 
wrestler or an established wrestler that hasn't done as much as you have, you do not have the right to treat me or anybody else like this. And I'm not going to tolerate it. And you can stand your ground and their cancel culture. Unfortunately, I have seen people lie and twist narratives into their favor in order to get whatever reaction they wanted to. And then I have seen people be honest about their situations and actually open up. And it has actually caused a lot of change in our industry. So it is a double-edged sword, but I can tell you this much right now. I'm thankful for the people that have stood up and spoken out because we don't need people like this in the world, let alone in professional wrestling. And I feel like the one thing that I want to tell the young generation to close this topic is, is that you can speak up for yourself before you go to somebody else for them to fight for you. And you can go to people and they will fight for you. And also normally what happens if anyone contacts me, I'll immediately then go to tell Joe, Hey, there's a major situation that's going on right now that needs your attention. And I can mediate it if you need me to mediate it, or I can let you handle it on your own. And there has been times where Joe has let me mediate a lot of these conversations. And I know that I'm a headache for Joe sometimes because I'm, I'm, I'm always fighting. I don't even want to call them battles. They're wars. And if I feel strongly about getting to the bottom of the situation, I am persistent about getting it handled. Um, we have gotten the trash out of our locker room and things are moving a lot differently now than they were before because the situations that were never spoken of, everyone is aware of now and everybody is sensitive to being aware of that behavior in order to prevent it from happening in the future. Yeah, that's, that's a very good, um, it's a very good way to, uh, go about it too. You know, if, if they start learning it now, then the next generation that will be hopefully taken care of and be out. Um, as we kind of uh, start getting a little bit closer to wrapping up here, Joe, it, was there ever a point in the recent year or two with Cody's career when you looked at him, even though he's been successful with Jake, as potentially maybe wanting to dabble with him wrestling for, let's say, the heavyweight championship or for a Nevada State Championship to give him a different, uh, you know, set of opponents. Because like you said, there's a lot of the, the circular motion over the last uh, year or so uh, with the young guys being able to wrestle death proof. But do you look at that as possibly an option just to even give Cody matches against a guy, for instance, like a Hammerstone or like a Graves? Um to showcase what he can do uh, outside of the tag team realm. We got to understand a couple years ago, Cody was kind of not in a set position. You know, he'd be working matches, he'd be working shows. So at the anniversary show, the 10 year anniversary show, I had this idea because we were doing the hall of fame 
and the Hater Nation was going to be inducted. And I thought, hey, what a great idea. We can have a reunion show, a reunion match. And, you know, we put together and Legacy was cool and, and Hater and Sugar Brown was still around. So we were going to reunite the Hater Nation to take on the following. And it would be the first time because for a while they went back and forth and, 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 and when Bryce was still around and Bryce was feuding with Cody and Cody was feuding with Jake and, and they were kind of bouncing around because as we saw, people were still into the concept of the following, you know, and, and people still gave a shit yet. We weren't doing anything with it. So it's like, okay, let's do this match. And then whatever issues were Bryce didn't make the match, but we had a two on three match. And despite the fact that it was two on three, Cody and Jake were mainstays in FSW. Legacy and Hater weren't really being used much, and Sugar Brown was already with Clutch. So it was an easy decision to put Cody and Jake in the two-on-three over in the match. And as we saw the match, there was really no mindset beforehand. It was like, hey, you know, because I believe Jake had been gone for a while too, so he had just kind of got back into the mix. So it's like, Hey, what do you guys think if we try to keep this going for a bit as a tag team? Well, they did, and they got kind of successful. Then we had the pandemic hit and things like that. So it's like there was no mindset to be like, oh, well, we need to break up this team and now have these guys work singles. They hadn't really gotten to the level where we would have wanted them to because in reality, you know, if you take the time frame, if there was no pandemic, that may have happened already. But we were basically in, in, in a hold mode for, you know, six to eight months. Yeah, we'd run the birthday party shows and, oh, we were closed for three months. Then back in December, we were closed for two, three months. So even though we kind of ran some sporadic shows, they might have been once a month, but we might not have run for three months. So no, there was really no, you know, no thought process in that because in that thought process, the idea was, okay, well now death proof is going to take the position as the top tag team in FSW. So in reality, they haven't had that for very long. You know, they, they won the belts in, in June. Right. You, you know what I mean, when we just started getting on a regular basis. So there's still a lot for them to do. And, you know, the thing is, if they get stale, if they get boring, if people get tired of them, then you're always looking to make a change. Right now, there's a lot in front of them still to even think about that. Now, at the GCW show, Jake worked some scrambles. He did his thing and Cody did his thing. So when that opportunity arises, you know, similar to when, you know, when they were kind of feuding with the unguided, they did singles matches. And we know they're both former No Limits champions. So we know there's going to be good matches if they're singles and tags. And when we're building a feud and building stories, you know, with the tag team, of course, having singles matches is always going to be part of that process. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Cody. Um, something that I would like to uh, kind of just speak on just real quick is the fact that 
you know, I honestly feel like just within the last year, uh, Jay and I have built our stride as a tag team. However, I'm very open to the idea because I'm sure a lot of people don't realize this, but I'm going to actually uh, get on my own high horse and toot my own horn while I'm doing so. I'm probably one of the most requested people when it comes to others wanting to do singles matches with me. Um, And I will definitely name names. uh, People like Chris Bay, who every time I see him is like, I want to have a match with you. People like Tom Lawler, who is like, hey, Jake, something might not be here. Uh, You got your gear on. Do you want to work me at Natural Born Killers 3? Right? So I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would be able to contend in the heavyweight division. I'd be able to contend in the Nevada State division. I'd be able to contend in the No Limits division. I'm capable of being able to do anything that was necessary and also i'm kind of liking the idea of death proof not just being jacob boston young and cutthroat cody hancock there's an idea that i haven't spoken to joe about yet that i will Uh hit him with live on air you know death proof could be a lot more than just two people death proof could possibly have one more person that uh if you think about Death Proof, the bond that uh, Jay and I have comes through history. There's another person who has not been around in a very long time that I've been speaking to a lot recently that may be interested in possibly coming back in a very big way and is interested in doing new things. And I'm not going to say who that person is, but it is somebody that I have a very rich history with. And Brother I Smith, they're coming back. Brothers Smith are already back. They're just doing their own thing. Oh man, uh, yeah. But, but there's there's somebody that I know that would train the way they needed to train. That would change what they needed to change, and would kind of shock everybody if they ended up becoming a member of Death Proof. So who knows what's going to happen? Joe will probably shut it down, but that's okay. But the idea is there in the air. Now that I've said it. Oh, can I can I get a hint? Can you get a hint? Were they on the main roster before? Yeah, they're 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 a former champion for you. Oh my, that that's yeah. that sounds intriguing. Yes, sir, and it, and it would be because it would be something very different than they've ever done. I can tell you that much right now. We'll leave it at that. I kind of have an idea who it might be. I'm sure that you do. So it's Evan Daniels, right? Is that who we're talking about? <laughs> Absolutely. Exciting Evan Daniels is coming back. But let's not discredit. Exciting Evan Daniels has made a lot of progress, man. Like, he's another guy that is in the best shape of his life right now. I'm talking about somebody else right now, though. Somebody that I never really got along with. Wow. Well, we're going to leave that at that because we don't want to give anything away and let the fans be surprised if something does happen. Um, Yes, sir. As we wrap up here, Cody... Is there any final thoughts, anything you want to get to that you might not have covered? Um, I really need to reiterate to everyone how thankful I am. And there's going to be a lot of dates that are upcoming for me uh, and Jay as well. 
uh, that are going to be exciting. Um, I'm going to be in Memphis uh, on the 23rd of this month. There's another date that I can't confirm yet publicly, but we're going to be in another state, and those are going to be two debuts for me. Um, I have my own podcast, Turnbuckle Boogie. If people want to check that out, it'd be appreciated. There's going to be some new shirts that are about to hit, and I have never had the support in my life that I have had recently from not only Future Stars of Wrestling, but a bunch of other places as well, on top of the fact that I have a fiancé that believes enough in me to take the ball and run with it. Um, I am going to be able to open myself up to helping just about everybody, and just stay tuned. I love it. Uh, Joe, any final uh, thoughts uh, regarding Cody um, and also regarding uh, the upcoming show on October 9th? Well, you know, October 9th, uh, unguided versus death proof once and for all. We're going to see, you know, who the best tag team uh, at this moment is in, in FSW. Death proof, you know, wants to show that they're the best and unguided wants to show you know that they're the best so you know you can't ask for a better matchup uh we got the nevada state champion the new champion class is going to be there and uh you know he's going to be defending the title and remy marcel's got a lot to say after how he lost the nevada state championship and, and again you know the faction you know as much as i don't care for them other than fresco of course <laughs> You know, we're going to see what's going on with them. They're coming off a uh, big victory. Uh, despite the fact that the ultimate finessers didn't have the ultimate finesse Chris Bay, uh, we're going to see where it's going with that. We got a, a lot of things to look forward to. We got a, a Halloween show. So, you know, we, we, we know we got Funny Bone booked for a casket match. <laughs> you know, he's ready to go. Uh, we did Judah Matthew last year. I'm thinking maybe Funny Bone and Eli Everfly this year could be. That'd be nuts. You know, be a, be, be a cool matchup. Uh is going to be there in the Halloween show. So, you know, they got a lot to prove. Then we're going to do, we, you know, I've decided that this year we're going to do it again on New Year's Eve. We're going to have a nice late night show to ring in the new year. Uh, we had way more fans than I thought we'd have. Uh, a couple years ago when we did the hollow uh, when we did the new year's show and you know that's going to be a great way to kick off 2022 and then of course the next big show that's confirmed at diversion amusements everything went well there you know a uh, couple of minor issues but the new people in charge were, were great and they are like oh why don't you do all your shows here and it's like well because we have to pay <laughs> So we have to be kind of selective unless you don't want us to pay for the show. And then, you know, then, then I'll be more than willing you know, to run there, but we're set. And as of now, no escape is going to be November 27th. So the question is, you know, is death proof going to be in a steel cage on November 27th? Well, I think that uh, without blinking, I think Cody, I, I, why do I imagine Cody, you have like, steel cage bars under your bed that you can just put up at any moment 
You know, it's it's funny because I, I really feel like that match that we had with RMB right before the pandemic hit, that was a great it cage was. match. And uh, and the one that I've had with Funny Bone, I, I don't have any fencing in my apartment, but I mean, the barbed wire baseball bat still lives here. So, you know, who knows? Well, knows? you know, Cody was a big fan of the, uh, the steel cage match because that was the most money he ever made because they gave him a bunch of ones to fans. Uh, staple to his head. Yes, sir. <laughs> a little extra cash on that one. Yeah, made a little bit of money. I think at this point, too, you have to take into consideration that now you have to look around the house to find any types of objects that you have not used in a match against you, man. I... I'm, 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 I'm running out of options. <laughs> it's it's kind of rough. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, before we go, Cody, uh, what's your social media handle so uh, people can follow you if they haven't? Go to CutthroatCody.com and you will see every form of social media that I have is just right there. And if you're too lazy to go on a website because nobody seems to go to websites anymore, at Cutthroat Cody on any social media platform that I actively use, which is Twitter and Facebook. Not Twitter and Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram at this moment. Gotcha. And uh, everyone, remember, you can get the FSW Network for six ninety nine a month. Uh, you'll see the High Octane Show coming up here on October 9th. And uh, you'll also be able to check out the catalog. You see Cody's work uh, throughout the different uh, years and uh, kind of follow his journey. If you haven't uh, seen him from the beginning, it's a good opportunity to see what Cody was like and where he is now. And uh, again, please uh, check out, if you haven't, Survival of the Fittest. Uh, you can get it on Fight TV for $14.99, and that's the replay. And you can see Death Proof defend their tag titles against Sky High, which, uh, you know, they went through a, a gauntlet match to get to uh, Death Proof, and Death Proof retained the titles. Um, but it was a very entertaining match that uh, you guys would enjoy. And once again, shout out to Heart and Solace and Los Suavecitos for being involved in that match, too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. From top to bottom, that was a great gauntlet for, for a tag team gauntlet, um, which can be very hard to actually book and uh, execute in a very good manner. And this one really <laughs> hit the, the points. So The last tag team gauntlet FSW had actually had two people quit and uh, stop wrestling. So I'm very well aware of that. Oh man! Well, Joe, you you uh, are you are you trying to send a a, a sign to uh, the Suavecitos that maybe they want to after this uh, gauntlet just kind of you know go back to uh, the borough and uh... well yeah you know we we got to deal with Danny you know there's no reason we can't put uh, Ricky and Adrian Quest as a tag team if, you know. He doesn't do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Well, at least he got a, a plan if, uh, you know, if Danny gets uh, popped for, uh, you know, any kind of, uh, I, I assume, auto theft or, <laughs> you know. Grand theft that, auto, grand theft larceny, you know. That, that stuff can't be said these days, okay? That's that's I right. Understand. That's right. Um, just joking. That story, that's characters and storyline people, please. Do not take that literally. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Again, uh, support the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting uh, by following us and uh, listening to our uh, all our shows out there. Support 
po- uh, Cody's podcast as well, which is a very uh, entertaining listen. And um, again, support Cody and his work and FSW, their work. And uh, until next time, everyone, take care.